Well, good morning, everyone. Great if I haven't met you. Um, my name's Andy. Um, I'm one of the ministers here. And I just thought I'd let you know, in our church, we get excited in different ways. So if you come from a different culture, um, who thinks it's been great today? Yes. yes. That's, that's great for our church. Often we get a, mmm. So we'll try that again. Who, who thinks it's been great today? Yes. Great. We're, and it is a, such a special occasion. It does our hearts good. It's great to celebrate Amy and Robbie, your faith in Jesus. What an occasion. What an occasion it's been for our country in recent weeks as well. I imagine many of you watched along on Monday, the Queen's funeral, and heard some of Justin Welby's words. I, uh, like many, was praying for him. What an opportunity he had to share the good news of the gospel to an estimated five billion people around the world who were watching. He didn't pull his punches as he shared about the hope our Queen had in Jesus, holding up her humble Christ-like service whilst challenging leaders who exalt themselves. As he began with that challenge, I did think, wow, what a room to be sharing that challenge with. He concluded, service in life, hope in death, all who follow the Queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God can with her say, we will meet again. And we can have confidence that if we respond with trust and faith to the good news about Jesus, that we will meet with Jesus again, that we will meet with those who follow and trust in him again. And today, I want to help us to think about our response to the gospel. might be something we responded to many years ago. It's great to see a response to the gospel that we celebrated in baptism. Maybe you're a friend or a guest visiting to help you think about how you might want to respond to the gospel. And I want to help us to do that by thinking about response that happened at another special occasion at the event of Pentecost in Acts 2. We're going to look at some of the words of Peter who had quite an occasion to speak at. Following the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, Jesus' followers waited in Jerusalem, as Jesus had told them to. If you'd like to follow along in the Bible, I will in a moment be reading some of the words from Acts chapter 2. And they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They were waiting at this festival called Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the three major Jewish festivals where many would come together in Jerusalem. It was a festival of thanksgiving for harvested crops. And the Holy Spirit did come in power at this Pentecost that was like no other. A sound like a violent blowing wind was heard where the disciples were gathered and what appeared to be like tongues of fire came to rest on each of the disciples. They found themselves speaking in different languages and those present from all the different nations and areas that had come to Jerusalem for this special festival were bewildered as many of them heard them speaking in their own tongue, in their own language, whilst others made fun of them and accused them of being drunk. It's at this point that Peter stands up with the 11 other apostles and he speaks to the Jews who were present, explaining what has happened and how this fits in to the story of God's people. I'm going to read some excerpts from Acts 2. I'm going to start... 22 and 24. There's a part of what Peter had to say on this special occasion. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. 
Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited, accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on you. Jumping to verse 32 and 33, Peter continues, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And he concludes his message, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This was a message of truth, of hope, but also direct challenge to those who were right in front of him. Peter accuses the listeners of crucifying Jesus. It was the crowds, many of whom were there, who had a big hand in calling for innocent Jesus to be killed. It was the religious leaders, some of whom would have been listening in at this Pentecost, who schemed for Jesus to be arrested, trialed, and killed. They had failed to see who Jesus really was, not merely a threat to their own way of doing things and position, but as Peter concludes, both Lord and Messiah. This was proven by Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, and now more powerfully again by the coming of the Holy Spirit and what was being experienced on that day. Peter makes it clear that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. To focus on those two words for a moment. Firstly, Lord. Jesus, in his life and miracles, demonstrated that he truly was and is above all, that he is Lord. He showed power over nature in calming storms, his power over oppression in setting those troubled by evil spirits free, his power over sickness by bringing healing, his power over sin by having the audacity to announce forgiveness, his power over death in raising others from the dead, and most significantly, his power over all these things in being raised from the dead. Peter claims that Jesus is Lord. And in baptism today, we have seen that this too is the conclusion of Amy and Robbie, that Jesus is their Lord, their number one, the one whose example they want to follow, the one who they're being obedient to, the one who has power and the one who is in control, the one they worship and want to live for. Something that we have seen quoted and talked about about our queen and her faith, that for her, Jesus was Lord as well. Jesus is not just a Lord, but the Lord. And Justin Welby highlighted that we will all need to give an account of our lives before Jesus one day. He said, we will all face the merciful judgment of God. Why? Well, because Jesus is Lord of all. And one day we'll need to stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. We can have confidence on this day if our faith and trust is in Jesus as Lord, having accepted his forgiveness and put our trust in Jesus alone to save us through his death 
which Peter interestingly pointed out in verse 23 was part of God's deliberate plan. Peter also proclaimed that Jesus was and is the Messiah, the promised sent one, the anointed one, who'd been promised throughout Israel's story. Hence why Peter references the likes of the prophet Joel and David in his special occasion sermon in Acts 2. The Messiah was the one who was expected to deliver God's people from their oppression and sin, and despite not coming in the form many Jews expected, Jesus was exactly this, the promised sent one. There's all sorts of occasions where you can see people longing for a special one to come, to come to the rescue, to come to the aid, to come to our help. And see people sometimes talk about Messiah-like figures. Not in the same way they do Jesus, but in the same way that there is longing for help to come. You might hear of a struggling football team hoping that a signing would be their Messiah-type striker, or for a country in economic and political turmoil, hoping that there might be a new leader who would come to rescue and to help. There are all sorts of other examples you can think of. But mere humans will, at different stages, disappoint. But Jesus, God's son, sent by Father God, came to save us where we were most helpless, in our sin and brokenness, the common human condition. He came as Messiah and he became like us and he suffered for us on the cross and rose again that we might all be saved, saved from our selfishness, saved from the consequences of that and saved into his eternal family, saved for a purpose to be part of his family and to be a light to those around us. Jesus claims in this special occasion message that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. Peter claims that he is both Lord and Messiah. So how did this response go down? Let me tell you, when I began speaking in my late teens, there was a lovely man that came along to the small little church I was part of called Tony, and he told me that my preaching reminded him of his sleeping tablets. Now, um, let you tell, Peter had a bit of a better reaction. He'd just been filled with the Holy Spirit. God's word was at work through Peter. And there was a better response to that than what I was going to. Well, what was it and what can we learn from it today? Verse 37 says, When the people heard this, this being the message that Peter had just spoken on this special occasion, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. It struck a chord. It got through. They were conscience stricken and convicted of what had happened. And so you can picture with some anxiety, they say, brothers, what should we do? As our children's groups often say at the end of their sessions, so what? Jesus, who had been crucified, was Lord and Messiah. We're thinking about response to these claims today. I wonder how you respond as you hear the good news again today, maybe as you engaged with all that happened as we thought about the Queen's faith, all that went on there, as you hear the stories of baptism and people putting their trust in Jesus. I wonder how you respond. Perhaps you thought, good for them. I respect that. Great that they've got their own faith. Perhaps your heart jumped. Perhaps you were reminded of your own faith and said a hearty amen. As I 
watched along all that happened on Monday and as I've been enjoying and participating in the baptisms today and preparing for this as well, I found my heart praying again, Lord, may many others come to put their faith in Jesus. May they recognize him as Lord and Messiah and respond with faith. Would many be cut to the heart? Would I be cut to the heart again with my need for our Savior? So having been cut to the heart and asked what they should do, what did Peter say? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The response that Peter called for is a response that everyone who hears about Jesus is called to make too. For some of this, some of us, this is a reminder. If others, it's something we're yet to do, or perhaps we've done in part. So what was it that Peter called for those listening in to do, to respond? Firstly, he called for them to repent, a word that literally means to change your way of thinking, to do a U-turn, to turn from something and to something. Don't think anymore that Jesus was a lunatic who needed to be killed, but instead turn to believe in him. Don't think anymore that he was nobody special, but acknowledge that he really was risen and was clearly at work in a powerful way in front of you by pouring out his spirit on those there. Don't think anymore that it's best to avoid going to church on a Sunday, going out the back door and appearing back at Sunday afternoon for a roast. (laughs) Maybe God doesn't care about our own pain and our own struggles or illness, but through it all to turn to Jesus, the loving Lord, and Messiah. Repent means to change our way of thinking and to think of Christ now as Lord, the one to follow wholeheartedly, to think of him as Messiah, the one we long for, the rescuer and saviour we need, who brings forgiveness and love and hope eternal. Peter urged those listening to change their way of thinking and and specifically to put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Messiah. I wonder what your response to the gospel is again today. Do you acknowledge him again as Lord, the powerful one in charge, not just out there in charge, but in here in charge as well? Do you acknowledge him as your Lord? That's what we've celebrated today with Amy and Robbie. The followers of Jesus were called to make Jesus Lord and Messiah. And for us today, that's not just a one-off thing. That's a regular continual thing that we need to say again. Jesus, you're on the throne. You're the leader. You're the one that we follow. Jesus, you're the one that I still need as savior because I go on being broken. I go on living in a selfish way. I need to say again that you are Lord and Messiah. So those looking in today, maybe visiting or just thinking about faith, it's also the invitation before you. It's an important question to ask. Have we turned back? Have we changed our way of thinking? Have we said again that Jesus is Lord and Messiah? Will you make Jesus number one and accept him as the one our hearts long for, the one we need to deal with our own brokenness and sin? So firstly, Peter calls for the people listening on this special occasion to repent. And secondly, he calls for them to be baptized. This wasn't merely an intellectual thing on thinking about who Jesus was, but this was something that would reshape 
the lives of those who place their trust in Jesus, for many of them in a very costly way. The belief in Jesus as Lord and Messiah was to be demonstrated by being baptized, literally meaning to be submerged in water, just like Jesus himself was in the River Jordan. It was a sign of being washed and cleansed, a sign of death, dying to our selfish way of living and rising to this new life in Jesus. Baptism was and is a sign of belief and it's also an act of obedience. Jesus had instructed his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he taught them, including being obedient in baptism. Peter makes it clear that this is an instruction for everyone. So let me just point out three things about baptism. Firstly, it's for all believers. Be baptized, every one of you, Peter says. This was Peter's instruction to everyone. Those from all sorts of different backgrounds and life circumstances would have been there. If you want to have a go, if you've still got the Bible up open in front of you, you can have a look at verses 9 to 11 where it lists many of the places they come from. See if you can pronounce many of those places. But here we recognize that there are different ways over the years of believers getting baptized. Some as babies and being confirmed later, for example. Now as a church, we describe ourselves as an open Baptist church where we respect other ways of doing baptism and we welcome those from other traditions into the life of our church, including membership. But I do want to be clear about what I see here in this instruction for those who are able to make a decision to believe in Jesus. And it's a clear instruction I see about being baptised. This wasn't an added extra optional, but it's a clear instruction that we see repeated in Acts 2. Amy and Robbie are part of the every one of you that are still responding to this instruction that Peter says. Baptism is for all believers. Second thing I want to say is it's not too late. It's not too late to be baptised. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptised. I'm going to say this instruction is for you. If you trust in Jesus and want to do what he says, then baptism is for you. And it's not too late to do it. Maybe you've been following Jesus for ages and never got round to it. It's not too late. Maybe your journey to coming to a place where you could say Jesus is Lord and Saviour has been a slow one, a winding one, a one with many questions, a one with many bumps along the road. Well, it's not too late to get baptised. This was an instruction for everyone. The last thing I want to say is it's not too early. Those listening to Peter that day were convinced of who Jesus was. They were cut to the heart and they got baptized. At CBC here, we talk about believers' baptism. And so if you believe in Jesus, then baptism is for you. It doesn't say if you're 18 or you've already completed your theology degree or if you have all your questions answered or if you've stopped sinning. For believers in the New Testament, as we've seen today, and you can see elsewhere in Acts. You can look at the story in Acts 8 if you want to. Baptism was at the start of the journey of people following Jesus. For those in Acts 2, it was on day one. When young people hit Thrive, our year nine and upwards group in our church, I encourage them to start thinking about baptism as they're old enough to make their own lifelong faith decisions. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I haven't been a Christian 
very long. Maybe I'm only getting to the place of wanting to say, yes, I want Jesus to be Lord and Messiah. Well, let me say this instruction to be baptized, it's not too early. If you want to follow Jesus, the next thing to do is to think about baptism. Repentance and faith also meant the receiving of two gifts, repentance and baptism. And here they are highlighted. They were forgiveness and receiving of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that these things couldn't happen without baptism, because it's faith in Jesus alone that means we can receive forgiveness. But this was a call to change a way of thinking and be baptized in one go that Peter was presenting to those listening that day. The good news that we can respond to is one of forgiveness, of a fresh start with God. For the Jews, this meant forgiveness, even of the sin of rejecting Jesus who had been amongst them and having him crucified. If they could be forgiven from that, there's nothing that God can't forgive us from. Forgiveness made possible by Jesus' very death and resurrection. What a gift. A gift to respond to, a gift to receive. Baptism, we've talked about it being symbolic, but it is also a spiritual act, a means of grace, if you like. And that's why we pray, again, afresh for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was great to do that with Robbie and Amy. In fact, it's a reminder that it's good for us to do that regularly as believers, to say, come, come, Lord, again. I need your spirit to help me live for you. Anyone who believes in Jesus already has the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it being like a seal in them. But here at baptism, there's a special promise that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how did the people listening in on this special occasion respond? With many other words, Peter warned them and he, placed, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Can you imagine the logistics? I don't think they did baptism certificates that day. But what a crowd. What an occasion. Three people responded with faith and were baptized. It's been interesting to see the various different responses and reactions there's been as faith has been proclaimed publicly over the last few weeks. I've found it a helpful opportunity to talk to some other people about it, quoting what's been going on and referring to it. It's interesting to note some news outlets have kind of avoided the sermon bit, avoided the faith bit, and just focused on other areas. There's been different responses that we have seen. But what about today for us? We've witnessed a response to the gospel in baptism. So great to celebrate Amy and Robbie's faith and to pray for them and to celebrate. We've seen Peter's call for those on this other special occasion at Pentecost to respond by repenting, turning back, discovering Jesus as Lord and Messiah and getting baptized. We've heard of the promise of forgiveness and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question in front of us again is, how will we respond afresh to this good news, to the claim that Jesus is Lord and Messiah, not just an intellectual thing, but a personal thing that shapes our lives? How will you respond to the gospel today? Will you commit again to Jesus as your Lord, recognizing that you still need the Messiah, the Savior? Perhaps you haven't done that before. Perhaps you've been with us as a church for a little while and you've been thinking about these things. Today is a great day to put your trust in Jesus. Perhaps 
whilst thinking about baptism, maybe you've thought it was too late. It's not too late. Maybe you've thought you're not ready. If you follow Jesus, the next step is baptism. The gospel is good news, good news to respond to. The question for us again today then is how will you respond to this good news?